If you would, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 26 is where we find ourselves tonight. Um, yeah, that sounds better. Um, don't forget, we have um, coming up on a couple Fridays, the 28th, we're going to have a beach uh, bonfire, church beach bonfire, and hang out there and fellowship. And What do you think, Thomas? We get the gate code or no? Is that something maybe, possibly? Yeah, why is it? Oh, I have a pass, so I'm good to go, but uh, I buy a parking pass because the kids go down to the beach every day for junior lifeguards. But um, So it, uh, we can get you a gate code to get into the private homed area, and you can find a parking there, or you can just pay 10 bucks to park. Yeah, 6 bucks or something, whatever it is, at, at the beach, a state parking lot there. So the flyers are in the back there. It's just going to be a lot of fun. You know, it's, we're starting a little early at 5 o'clock, but I know if some of you guys get off work a little later, just come on down, hang out, and we're just, you know, bring whatever you want to barbecue and cook hot dog if you want to bring some hot dogs and, you know, whatever you want to chow down. We're, we've got some games and some fun things, so it'll be a great fellowship. I'm looking forward to it. we got a Japanese exchange student uh, staying with us for about three or four weeks, I guess it is, so... Um, you know, we'll bring her down and try to get a couple of the other ones to come down. So they're they're high schoolers, and hopefully send them home as Christians. Amen. <laughs> That's our desire. You know, it's kind of kind of you know we pray over a meal, right? And she, she's not here; she's in the back there. But um, and uh, you know, but that she 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 has like a little something that she does, you know, after we're done and. I can't quite figure it out and trying to communicate, you know, so uh, something's going on there. And um, anyway, another prayer. We just want to do it for ministry. It's a good opportunity. All right. Well, that all being said, uh, oh, and the biker blessing is August 5th as well on Saturday here. We invite all the biker groups to come. You know, some of them are just non-Christians and they come out and, you know, kind of like a a good luck thing for them on some of them. Um, but, you know, we share the gospel with them and, you know, really pray for them. And so um, the Lord's used that and, and over the years. So you can come out and just be a part of that if you want. It's, it's kind of cool to see that. So that's coming up August 5th. All right, well, Deuteronomy chapter 26 is where we find ourselves tonight. Hopefully you make your way there, the fifth book in the Bible. We're getting kind of close to the end here. I mean, we're moving forward here. Remember, Moses has given his last sermon. Uh, boy, maybe just uh, going to, before the Lord takes him home, just probably a matter of days, really, at this point, uh, before the Lord will take Moses home. Uh, they'll mourn for him for 30 days, for a month, and then they'll move out into the promised land. So we're getting... Uh, close to the promised land here as we wind up in Deuteronomy. But remember, the Lord wanted this new generation to know and, and to remember. And so they get pretty much a month-long sermon from Moses, uh, you know, reminding them and telling them and encouraging them uh, as they uh, take this next step of faith to go into the promised land, what God has in store for them, and also the, the, the promises He has, but the conditions He has. There's some promises that are conditional. Hey, listen, if you do this, then I'll do this. Um, some are unconditional. There's unconditional promises. In the Old Testament, there's a, quite a few conditional uh, promises. Uh, and then there's um, unconditional promises. Like the land is theirs. He promised it to Abraham way back in Genesis. But whether they stay in the land is really up to them, you know, as a nation. Of course, now in the New Covenant, um, we're people of many nations, and uh, the promise of salvation is unconditional grace. And so, what a great blessing it is to live in this time, <laughs> especially as we read through chapter 28. Well, um, chapter 26, really, you could probably call it maybe the first Thanksgiving holiday, okay? Because that's pretty much what the whole chapter is about. Uh, giving thanks. Um, and that giving thanks was done around something specific. Their giving, their tithing, their offering. Uh, not only did the Lord wanted them to bring their, their, their offerings and their tithes to Him, but He wanted it to be like a whole deal. There was a whole um, giving of thanks when you did it. So, And that's what really all of chapter 26 is all about. 
Um, again, he, he's working in a person's heart. It's not just a matter of duty. It's a matter of, like, hey, this is all part of you. It's all part of your worship, if you would. And so let's look at verse 1. And it says, It shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance, and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses uh, to make his name abide, and you know which will end up being Jerusalem. Right? So you're supposed to do, get this, the first fruits, put it in a basket, bring it to them. And, and then verse four, 3 says, And you shall go to uh, the one who is the priest in those days, so whoever is the priest, and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come from a country which the Lord, uh, come to the country which the Lord your God swore to our fathers to give us. So remember, uh, this is new to them because in Egypt, everything they grew did not belong to them, right? They were slaves. It belonged to the landowners and the slave owners, whoever owned them. Uh, and then during the, the years of the wilderness wandering, bringing them into the land, remember God fed them miraculously with manna. But when they go into this land, the Lord's telling them, hey, listen, I'm going to give you crops, I'm going to give you orchards, you're going to have vineyards, there's going to be great blessings I have in store for you, the land's going to be very fruitful, you're going to have a lot, and I'm going to to really bless you exceedingly. And what they were supposed to do to express their thanks for all that the Lord had done, and they were to bring this offering and acknowledge Him, and, and, and acknowledging that, Lord, this came from you. Everything I have, everything that I possess, comes from you. I'm giving you thanks for it. What a great remembrance. Everything you have, everything I have, everything we have comes from the Lord. Because somebody's like, well, no, I work. You know, that's how I get my money. Yeah, but who gave you the ability to think or to work or whatever do, however you do your work, to figure things out, to build things with your hands, to, you know, process things, whatever? It's the Lord's gifting. He gave you that job. He moved you into that place. He takes care of you in this way. You know, he's, He has given us everything, whether it's at this time or in our time. And the Lord says, I want you to, I want you to give thanks. I want you to recognize where it comes from. That's such an important thing. We need to recognize where everything comes from. It's from Him. So they're supposed to do that. And then verse 4 says, Then the priest shall take the basket out of your hand and set it down uh, before the altar of the Lord your God. So they take this basket like this, maybe or something, or whatever they've produced, or whatever they have. They would bring you know, this tithe, which just means a tenth. right? They would bring this basket... And and then uh, before the Lord, and, and this is what they were supposed to say in verse 5. And you shall answer and say before the Lord your God, My father was Assyrian, about to perish, and he went down to Egypt and dwelt there, few in number. And there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. Verse 6, But the Egyptians mistreated us, afflicted us, and laid hard bondage on us. Then we cried out to the Lord, our uh, Lord God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and looked on our affliction and our labor and our oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with an outstretched arm, and with great terror and with signs and wonders. Verse 9, He has brought us to this place and has given us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which you, O Lord, have given me. So they bring this basket, they bring it to them, and, and then they hold it up and they pretty much say, Lord, I have all this because you gave it to me. I didn't have anything. As a matter of fact, you follow back my lineage, and he's talking about you know Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Remember, uh, they came from uh, the Assyrian area. They came from Ur, the Chaldees, and they they made their way. They were wanderers, and then Jacob, you remember, who was renamed Israel, 
He was there. There was a, a famine. Joseph had gone ahead to, to Egypt. They were starving, and God brought them down to Egypt and and blessed them at first. And then there was this cruel bondage, and they came, became slaves for uh, about 400 years. It was really uh, tough and rough, and the Lord brought them out, brought them into this land, and now look what I have. We didn't have anything. We lived a terrible life. We were a slave. We were in bondage. We called to the Lord. He delivered us from our oppression. And not only that, but he's blessed us abundantly. And we have so much and we're acknowledging that it's you, Lord. And Lord, I'm giving back the part you told me to do. I'm giving you the first fruits. In other words, boy, you know, when the crops are coming in, it would be great. Oh, here's the first bunch coming in. We're finally getting, you know, the crops in or the fruits coming on the vine or whatever the case might be. Wow, you know, the it's, all this is finally coming in. And, and the first thing I want to do is acknowledge you. What you give me, the first thing I do is I'm acknowledging you. I trust you. What I'm saying is I had nothing and whatever I have, you've blessed me with. And now I'm showing my trust, my faith. Uh, uh, I'm showing, uh, uh, responding to you and, and I'm giving you the first portion. Why? Because God needs it. Is he broke? Does he need food and this and that? No, he knows he needs to build up trust and faith in all of our lives. And so he says, hey, come and bring it. Acknowledge and realize what you've come from. Realize what I've done. It, it, it makes me so much more of a part of your life. I acknowledge you. I trust you. You know, we have the same story as Christians, don't we? We've been delivered. He's blessed us so much. What, what's there to hold back for in our life? Well, I'm pretty busy at work, and I got all these things going on, and this, you know, Lord, I really don't have time for all this, you know. Or I can't really give because the bills are, you know, here that I'm worried, you know. What are we going to hold back? Everything he's given to us is us. Whatever it might be. Well, I don't know, Lord, you want me to do this, but I don't know how it's going to work out. So I'm kind of holding this on the side just in case this doesn't work out. Everything we have is his. And we realize that we, he brought us from nothing and he saved us. And what, what, should, what would ever hold us back from just... Giving thanks and acknowledging Him and trusting Him. Same thing is true. Well, then it goes on to verse 10. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you and your house and, your house and, your le- and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. So it wasn't so much even the act of giving which God called them to do, but he says, you know, I want you to verbally acknowledge that as well. This, I want you to, I want you just to say this and acknowledge this true, truth. You know, giving and our giving uh, to the Lord is part of our worship. It's not just some little side thing. Some people make it a big thing. Some people make it a little thing. But it's all part of a word. It's as important as, as singing out to the Lord and praise and worship. It's, it's as important as our prayers. It's part of our worship like our prayer is or reading our Bible or coming to church. It, it's, just, it's up there with all of those things. It's all part and parcel with uh, being a Christian, loving the Lord. It's not supposed to be some mechanical act. So I'm expressing my thankfulness, my devotion, my trust, and, and my obedience to you. And, and in doing this, you notice it was going to be like a fun party, rejoice time. If you would, this this huge barbecue is going on. I'm free now, Lord. You've blessed me. You've forgiven me. You've taken me out of that slavery. I'm yours. I got good stuff. We're not to come all bummed out. Well, but I don't have this, and I don't have that, and I wish I should have this, and how come this isn't working out? Because, you know, sometimes our hearts and our minds get focused on what we don't have or what we want to have or what's not working out. And I, I, I just have such an issue with that personally, right? You're focusing on things that aren't right or things that you want to change or things that you want to see happen or the situation, you know, is not going anywhere. And, and you know, you're kind of focused on that. And, and then that just affects your, your, your whole emotional state. And sometimes you... 
you, you miss, if you're like me, sometimes you miss the blessings that God's giving right in front of you. They're right there. He's given you this. You've got this. He's blessed you in this way. You, ha- you know, on and on it goes. But it's the one or two things that are kind of a little sideways or not working out. And I'm not saying they're necessarily minor things, but, but, you know, the Lord says, I want you to focus on all the great things I've done. And whatever you don't have at any particular time, well, it's either they're not the right time for you to be in the middle. I withhold nothing good from you. So if it's not happening right now, it's because it's not the right time or it's not. I have something so much better that you can't see and you're so focused on this. And so it wasn't really a time of, oh, yeah, it was a time of, hey, when I look at everything overall, Lord, man, Lord, I am truly blessed and I want to rejoice. And then verse 12 says, when you have finished laying aside all the tithe of of your increase in the third year, in the year of tithing, when you have given to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, so that they may eat within your gates and be filled. Uh, And again, so now on the third year, they were to, um, uh, we've talked about this in previous chapters, but they were to take an additional tithe, additional 10% in the third year, and that was set aside for all the poor people, the widows, the orphans, people that couldn't just, you know, uh, an, old, an older gal whose husband's died, she just can't support herself. Or, you know, the, the Levites were taking care of the temple and the tabernacle, or, you know, they were working for the Lord, and so they didn't have jobs, they didn't have fields, the Lord didn't give them land that they could have crops or you know, uh, animals there. So they depended on the people to, to give. And so the Lord said, you know, don't forget to set that aside. That, that you do that. And, and then when you set that aside, verse 13 says, then you shall say before the Lord, I have removed the holy tithe from my house and I've also given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, according to all your commandment, which you have commanded me. I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I have not eaten any of it when in mourning, nor have I removed any of it for unclean use, nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. So the Lord said, hey, listen, this is a, this is what else you're supposed to say now. So the worship... Worshipper comes up and says, listen, I'm given to you, and I haven't held anything back, Lord. I mean, they were supposed to speak this out before the Lord at the tabernacle or later on the temple, and, and bring all this and acknowledge, listen, I, I haven't held anything back. Uh, I haven't used anything for selfish reasons. Uh, I haven't, And that would be something that would be unclean. Let's say, uh, oh, I was kind of short. I couldn't make it, you know, this, that, and so I took some of, you know, what was yours, and I used it because I, you know, needed to do this, and it was kind of a bad week or bad month or didn't get as much, you know. I'm not doing that, not, not using it to anything clean. I'm not using it for anything pagan, um, you know, following some ungodly tradition in some way or doing something, Lord. Um, you know, the Egyptians were known for putting food into... Um, the burial chambers so that the, they believed, you know, in the afterlife, that's where they were buried with their pets or, you know, with their servants. They were buried with gold. And uh, that's why all those places and tombs were looted in Egypt, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, because they believed in, uh, you know, they needed what they, you had to take it with you because <laughs> you needed it for your afterlife. So you, you buried them with them. And of course, the richer you are, the more powerful it became a pyramid, right? So you could store all kinds of stuff in there. And, and they've even found, uh, you know, grain in these uh, Egyptian tombs. That, you know, they've done the DNA test and looking at the genetics of the, the, you know, the wheat and stuff that they were buried with. They can still look at that today. And the Lord says, listen, I don't want you to do any of that either. You, you don't need to do that. When you die, I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to bury it with you. So in other words, you're saying, Lord, I've been faithful. I did as you told me. Uh, 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 again, um, uh, if a person said this, 
And the Lord brought them. It would be difficult for them to hold back, right? Because they're supposed to go before the Lord saying, look, I didn't hold anything back. I didn't use it wrong. I didn't misuse it. I didn't follow some crazy idea and, and, and use it over here. Lord, no, I've done what you've said. You know, it would be hard to, you know, to try to, you're confessing all that and saying that before the Lord. That's what he wanted them to do because he wanted them to enter into that, that relationship. And so it goes on to say, look down. Now he continues to say this, look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people, Israel, and the land which you have given us, just as you swore to our fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey. So, Lord, thank you for all that you have given me. And Lord, I look to you to continue to bless me. That's what they're saying there. And then verse 16 says, This day the Lord your God commands you to observe these statues and these judgments. Therefore, be, you shall be careful to observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. Notice, even in this day, the Lord desired their heart, not just religious service. It wasn't going through the motions. It wasn't bringing this and just repeating this thing. You know, you've been involved in religious service where you... You know, you know where to stand up and say something or sit down and say something or, you know, wouldn't repeat this. And, you know, there's some it's not about that. I want it with your heart and the soul or who you are. I want you to, you know, it's got to be a part of who you are, not just some religious service. I want you to, to love me and, 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 and have this relationship with me and acknowledge this and understand this and rejoice in it. This was a rejoicing time. It was like, oh, I got to give. You know, I got this bill coming up, the car payments due, the PG&E bills there. I got this credit card. You know, oh, Lord. You know, it was a time of, of rejoicing. And that's what the Lord told him to do. And verse 17 says, Today you have proclaimed to the Lord to be your God, and that you will walk in his ways and keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and that you will obey his voice. Verse 18, and also today the Lord has proclaimed uh, you to be his special people, just as he promised you that you should keep all his commandments. And then he will set you high above all nations, which he has made in praise and name and in honor. And that you may be a holy people to the Lord your God, just as he has spoken. So if Israel kept his commandments, his promise were to make them this special people that that people all around them, all the nations over the earth would look at him and say, man, these guys are incredibly blessed. Wow, look at, look at them. They're so different than everybody else. What makes them different? It's like people do with you. What makes you different, you know? You don't react like them. You don't talk like them. You don't do the things that they do. You don't hang out at Applebee's at... 11 o'clock at night in the bar trying to do, you know, you just, no, no, I don't, you know, I'm just in the way I do this. I'm going to church on Wednesday night. You're going to church on Wednesday? Is there such a thing? I never knew a church was, had a service on Wednesday, right? No, 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 you know, I, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm different. I'm his. I like going. Nobody makes me go. I like going. <laughs> and, and, you know, the Lord says, I just want to bless you and do great things. And that, that's my heart. But, you know, if you're using them and you're doing things with it, that's just, a, you know, we'll see that, oh, well, I can't bless that. I'm not going to bless you on a, uh, what's that song? Uh, going off the wheels of a crazy train or whatever that song is, right? You, you know, going off the rails on a crazy, if you're going off the rails on a crazy train, well, I, I'm not going to keep blessing you because it, you're heading in a, bad place and I, I i can't do that but if you acknowledge these things you do these things i want to do these things but that's repeated throughout scripture in so many ways uh, and so that was all about giving rejoicing acknowledging these things remembering all those things well chapter 27 and 28 um are, are, are a little different you know god made um uh and he's reminding them he made covenants with the people. And as I said at the beginning, there was two different kinds of classification. There was conditional promises and unconditional promises. So God made a covenant with Abraham, an unconditional covenant. In other words, he's going to do it no matter what. Covenant, um, I'm going to give you this land. It's yours. Your descendants are going to have it. 
But the covenant he made with Moses that we're reading was very, uh, was conditional. In other words, if you do this, then this is what's going to happen. So, you know, Exodus 19, 5 says, Now therefore, if you obey my voice and keep my covenants, then, and he goes on to say what he's going to do. And so that's what they were to remember here in chapters 27 and 28. And let's look at them. So chapter 27, verse 1 says, Now Moses, with the elders of Israel, commanded the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today. And it shall be on the day when you cross over the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God has given you, that you shall set up for yourselves large stones and whitewash them with lime. We'd say that like put drywall up and make it a nice finish. That's the idea here. Verse 3, and this is why they set up these big rocks and finished them so they could write on them. You shall write on them all the words of this law. And when you have crossed over that you may enter the land which the Lord your God is giving you, a land flowing with milk and honey, which means great abundant blessings, that's what milk and honey means, just as the Lord your God, your fathers, promised you. So the first thing God says, listen, when you cross over, the first thing I want you to do is find some big rocks, and it'll talk about what he wants to do here in a little bit. And it's found in these two chapters. I want you to do this. I want you to dedicate the land to me. Remember, this is the this is the commands I have to you. Probably the Ten Commandments they would they would write on these stones here. And I want you to do this. Remember, I want to put in promise. Remember why you're here. Remember what I've told you um, to, to do to be my people. And, and so, uh, verse 4 says, And therefore it shall be, when you have crossed over the Jordan, that Mount Ebal, you shall set up these stones which I command you today, and you shall whitewash them with lime. So, Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim, as we'll see, is about 35 miles north of Jerusalem. Uh, lays at the, the, the base of the city called Shechem. So, they, they crossed over the land here. They, they go to Jericho, and then they go up, and here's where they're supposed to do all this, between these two mountains here. Jebus is gonna, will eventually be Jerusalem. So it's about 35 miles from here to there. So they're crossing over here, and the Lord says, Listen, when you get here, this is what I want you to do. When you cross over, I want you to set this up. Now, why is that important? Well, we'll see there's a couple reasons that's a, it's a great place to do this. But remember, this city of Shechem, which lies... Uh, between these two mountains here, and I'll show you a picture of it in a minute. That's where, when Abraham first went into the land, land I should say, way back in Genesis uh, chapter 12, that's where he first built an altar to the Lord. And the Lord said, this is the land I'm going to give you. So it's kind of like he brings the people in, and he reminds them, listen, I promised Abraham this was going to be your land, and guess what? You're in the land now, and it's yours. I'm fulfilling the promise that I had made. And that's why it was significant, uh, one of the significant reasons why he was there. God's saying, look, it, here it is. I told you way back then. I said you're going to spend you know, 400 years in, in slavery. And then after that point, I'm giving the people that live in this land, as we go through it, time to repent and to change. After 400 years, it's going to be over and it's going to be your land. And, and I'm going to give it all to you. And that's where I promised Abraham that this would happen. And so God's bringing him right there. Showing them like, hey, this is what I said is going to happen, and it's happening. You can trust me. So verse 5 says, Therefore you shall build an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones, and you shall not use an iron tool on them. So now they're going to build an altar. This is a little bit different. And you shall build the whole with whole stones the altar of the Lord your God and offer burnt offerings on it to the Lord your God. And you shall offer peace offerings and you shall eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. And you shall write very plainly on the stones all the words of the law, of this law. Verse 9, Then Moses and the priests and the Levites spoke to all Israel, saying, Take heed and listen, O Israel. This day uh, you have become a people of the Lord your God. So, They pick the place, they get the stones ready here. We'll see in a little bit what they're going to write on it, what they're going to say. Then the next thing you do is you build this altar. Remember, it's not supposed to be anything fancy or anything. The idea, the focus was not on the beautiful altar you make. It's just a bunch of stones. It's the sacrifice. It's the Lord. I'm going to meet you there. And and have a huge barbecue. 
I want you to, you know, peace offerings where you brought an animal and, and you know, you, you, you cooked it before the Lord and, and, and then they gave it back to you on this on this altar. They give it back to you after it was cooked. You know, you get your carne asada there and you bring it back to the family. Everybody's having tacos or whatever, right? There, you know, you're having your tri-tip sandwich, whatever it might be, and you're rejoicing. You're in the land. God's fulfilled the promise. Have a, have a great time there. And then, once they do that, uh, verse 10 says, Therefore you shall obey the voice of the Lord your God, and observe His commandments and His statutes, which I command you today. And then Moses commanded the people on the same day, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people. And when you have crossed over the Jordan, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin, those are those groups of people that could trace their lineage back to those those guys, And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. So there was two mountains, um, and they were, here's a picture of it. This is a modern day picture of it, by the way. And so some were supposed to stand on this mountain, and you can even see today, even though this was long, thousands of years before this, some were to stand on this mountain, some were to stand on this mountain. And you can see a little bit here, even, even today, one mountain is very barren and ugly and one has has trees on it and, and so they're to divide some people are over here some people are over there and then if you if you look here um uh again this is the uh, the mount ebal is going to be the barren peak and mount gerizim is covered with with vegetables and so they were to divide up and here's a kind of a wide angle look at that so you can get the idea it's kind of a natural amphitheater this is where god it's, this is what it looks like today obviously it was nothing when they when abraham was there when they came through but there was this little little you know village right here and they were to stand on this mountain and and um, the priests were to stand in the middle and the idea was um, uh, there were uh, the lord bring, brings them up and reminds them here what what they're supposed to say um, these there'll be twelve curses here if they don't listen to what the Lord said, um, and most of them pertain to actions done uh, by individuals in secret. So the Lord's saying, "Listen, yeah, I've laid these things down, and you can say, yeah, yeah, I did this.' But the Lord's saying, listen, if you don't listen, if you don't listen, and you do this, but you keep it from everybody else, knowing that there's a price to be paid for that. And, and so, eight of the twelve refer to violations of the Ten Commandments." So again, these guys are on this side. Picture that same thing. The, the priest and the ark is in the middle, and then these guys are on this side. The blessings here, the cursings here, and, and they're supposed to speak these things out. And let's let's read through them in verse fourteen. And the Levite shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel. Uh, so these guys are in the middle now, saying it to the guys on both sides. Cursed is anyone who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord. The work of the hands of a craftsman, and notice it says, and sets it up in secret. So you're worshiping something other than the Lord, but you're doing it in secret. You have this passion, you have this desire, we'd say today, you know, this hobby that you spend this time, something you invest in emotionally and monetarily, and you set it up in secret. The Lord says, listen, it's, it's still wrong if you do it, even if it's in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Verse 16, And cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt. And all the people with teenagers say, Amen. Amen. <laughs> cursed is the one who moves his neighbor's landmark. And the people shall say, Amen. In other words, you know, you're moving a little bit. Hey, I'll get a little more land, you know, kind of secretly. Don't do that. Cursed is the one who makes the blind want to wander off the road. And the people shall say, Amen. That's being cruel. Somebody that you're taking advantage of somebody. It's it's never going to go well when you're you're ripping somebody off, especially taking advantage of somebody that doesn't know any better. Verse 19, Cursed is the one who perverts justice due the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. And the people shall say, Amen. So, you know, this guy's rich, and he's kind of taking it out, but, you know, if I say that, yeah, that he's wrong, then, you know, these people can't benefit me in any way. No. It's going to not go well with you. you. You'd be right. You'd be honest. Cursed is the one who lies with his father's wife 
because he hasn't covered his father's bed. And all the people still say amen. So, you know, stay away from your stepmom. Uh, verse 21, Cursed is the one who lies with any kind of animal. And the people better say amen. And cursed is the one who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father or the daughter of his mother. So his stepsister, his half-sister, uh, you know, the people shall say amen. You stay away from those relationships. Because a lot of these things, again, would just could be done in secret. And the Lord's saying, listen, you think it's in secret, but it's, it's going to ruin you. Cursed is the one who lies with his mother-in-law. And the people say, you're crazy. <laughs> they say, amen, right? Now, you think this is kind of crazy. You're thinking, like, who is going to sleep? try to sleep with their mother-in-law? But, you know, you got to think. Remember, some of these kids were married when they were 12, 13, 14 years old. And they have children right away. And then they have, you know, she might be in her 20s. So sometimes we picture it like in our culture, like, you know, she's 30 years older than I, we are. And it's like, what? But you got to think in that day. So, and again, this stuff could be done secret. You could be taking advantage of her in some way. It's says, Lord, it's, gonna, it's not going to go well. And cursed is uh, the one who attacks his neighbor secretly. And the people shall say amen. You're setting them up. You're talking bad about them. You're doing whatever. Cursed is the one who takes a bribe to slay an innocent person. Again, subverting justice and robbing. And the people shall say amen. Cursed of one who does not conform to all the words of this law. And the people shall say, Amen. By the way, this last one, Paul quotes it in Galatians 3.10, emphasizing how it's impossible to keep the law and we need a Savior. Uh, And that's why Jesus came, because anybody who breaks the law is cursed, right? That's this whole theme in the New Testament and, and why we need Jesus. And that's why the whole book of Galatians talks about people that think they can have this uh, right standing with God based on their religious duties. And he's saying you, you can't keep religious duties uh, because you'll fail at some point and then you become cursed and we need a savior. So to all those that think they can do it because I'm a religious person, I go through these things. So that last verse is quoted in Galatians 3 and you can... Read that on your own. It's uh, pretty enlightening. Well, then, chapter 28, as we wind up with this chapter tonight, although it's pretty long, but interestingly enough, you know, this is pre-written history. Before they even set foot in the land, God is basically going to tell them everything that's going to happen to them. And um, uh, it's a pretty amazing chapter, prophetically. They haven't gone to the land, but... The Lord's going to tell them everything's going to happen, some of the good things that are going to happen, and then when they blow it, what's really going to happen to them. And all these things came to pass. It's, it's pre-written history. It's pretty amazing. God's telling them ahead of time, don't do this, but knowing what they're going to do, but it's pre-written history. And let's, let's look at the first 14 verses here. Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. Listen, if you just follow my word, you're going to be blessed. It's going to be a light. People are going to be drawn to that. That's what God was doing. That's how we evangelized in the Old Testament as a nation. And these, uh, all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall be uh, uh, you. You shall be in the city, and blessed you shall be in the country. Blessed you sh- shall be the fruit of your body, and the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, and the increase of your cattle, and the off uh, and the offspring of your flocks. Verse five. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall uh, you be when you come in, and blessed you shall be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies to rise up against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. That means they come out to attack you and then you come, the Lord's with you and they just poof, right? Scatter like cockroaches with the lights on, I guess. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on uh, you and your storehouses and all which you, your bank account, we would say today, right? And all which you have set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. In verse 9, 
uh, is the key to it. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn uh, to you if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in all his ways. Uh, I'm going to set you apart and you're going to be holy, different. That's what that means. Set apart for me. Then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and the produce of your ground, in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. And the Lord will open you his good treasure, the heavens, to give you the rain in the land in its season, and bless all the work of your hands. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above. Uh, you shall be above only, and not be and not be beneath. If you uh, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them, you uh, so you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day, to the right. Or to the left to go after other gods and to serve them, and so again, verse one talks about them being a light. And verse nine talks about they shall、uh, affect all nations. And remember, this happened. Remember, David just loved the Lord. He just loved the Lord, and the Lord blessed him and expanded the nation. So it expanded the influence to people all over, all the way to the Euphrates River. I mean, just really. Made the the land huge and his influence huge over all these nations, to the point when when his son reigned, Solomon. You remember him that the Lord, you know, blessed him with able to build this this beautiful temple, and people would come. If you read it in Second Samuel and Kings and Chronicles, people would come from all over. And why are you so blessed? Why are you so powerful? Why do you have so much? It said that Solomon made you know、uh, silver as common as rocks. I mean, one of the most valuable materials in that time. It was like worthless. Everything was made of gold, and and the queen of Sheba showed up. Remember, she goes, "I heard how great you were from where I was, and and you know that you had this, and you were so wise, and you were so blessed with so, so much." And then remember, it goes on to say, she said, "It wasn't even half true what I heard. What you have, and what how."、I'm, Blessed you are with the wisdom God gave you. He was able to answer all her questions, explain to her whatever she had questions about. Saw how the Lord blessed him with all stuff, the servants, what they wore, what they ate with, what they had, and she was overwhelmed. And you know, many people believe, and I'm kind of one of them, that you know, she just came to know the Lord because of all that, which is exactly what the Lord said He wanted to do. Now, if you've been to church at any time,、uh, you've probably heard those verses. There's there's certain churches that like to talk about these verses and love to quote them. That the Lord wants to bless you. You just give, and you will you know get back. God wants to make you rich. That's not what He's saying here. Let's just get that very clear. You can read the context of it. We're reading through it. What God's talking about, not taking lifting verses up and then applying them in a way that He didn't mean them. That's not what the Lord's saying. He says, "Listen, I want you to be a light. I want you to listen to what I said, and you're going to be different, and that's going to be attractive to others because of your obedience to what I've called and the and the laws I've given you, and doing all these things. And yes, you'll be blessed because because of it, but it's not in spite of it. Some people think, well, if I do, you know, it's like,、uh, you know, it's almost like you know the lottery or something. I don't know, maybe not the best illustration, but." You know, you buy a five dollar ticket or something, and you expect to get you know a hundred million back or something like that. And some people think that's the way it is when you know when they present these verses. And look what God wants to bless you, so just you obey and you you know give a thousand dollars or whatever, and He'll give you ten thousand. It's not what the Lord's talking about here. He's He's saying, listen, I want you to be a light, and I want to bless you so that you can be a light, not that you can just. You know, drive Mercedes and live in castles or whatever, and have boats and vacation homes or whatever. You know, it's all about shining the light of my love and who I am and my plan and salvation. So that's what it's speaking about. Now, the last part of this chapter, we come to really one of the most remarkable passages in Scripture because, as I said. 
again, pre-written history here still, we're going through that, they would be thrown out of the land three times and they would be regathered to the land three times. That's what it talks about here. And that's exactly what would happen. And I'll tell you what, you know, unless you were studying through the Bible, as we're doing here, you probably would never read these verses because they're very hard to hear. It's a, it's a place that people, if, if they're just choosing topics, they would avoid this. You would never hear this spoken in church because... It's pretty difficult, but it's history. It's a history of what happened to them, and God's almost pre- telling them, listen, here's the ro- if you choose to do this road, this is what's going to happen. They chose to do that, and that's what happened. Um, and he does it, he has it for our edification, that we might learn um, to trust him and, and, and know that what he says is absolutely what's best for us. And so let's read through them. Verse 15, but if shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all His commandments and His statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Again, God says, listen, you're going to be a witness to me in the world. And it can be a good witness, or it can be for a bad witness. People can come to you and say, wow, you're blessed, and why do you do things different, and you don't do this? Wow, you're so different. Oh, it's the Lord. We worship Him. This is how we worship Him. Or it could be, listen, you're, man, you can't do anything right. Everything falls to pieces. Everything just turns out to dust, and man, what are you doing wrong? Oh, we're not listening to the Lord. <laughs> so the Lord says, you can, you can choose. You're going to be a witness to me, whether it's this way or that way. Uh, you know, because of how bad things are going, people are going to go, wow, what's going on? Oh, it's because we're not listening to the Lord. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to shine brightly one way or the other. He does want, doesn't want to do this way, but he's telling them if that's what you do, this is what's going to happen. You know, the New Testament puts it this way, you reap what you sow. You put strawberry seeds in the ground, and I'm telling you, oranges aren't going to come out. You, you plant lettuce out here, you're not going to be picking asparagus. It's just, you, you know, you, you, car parts aren't going to come from apple trees. You know, what we do in our lives will we'll grow up and come to maturity, and the Lord tells us that. So, so listen to me, and things will grow well and do well and be what it should be. But if you think you can plant strawberry seeds in there and you think you're going to get oranges out of it you're, you're going to be greatly disappointed because uh, you, you reap what you sow what you what you do is what's going to come out and so he'll go on to say cursed verse 16 you shall be in the city and cursed you shall be in the country cursed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl cursed shall be the fruit of your body and the produce of your land and the increase of your cattle and the offspring of your flocks cursed shall be when you come in and cursed you shall be when you go out and the Lord will send uh, cursing, confusion, and rebuke, and all that you set your hand to do, and you are uh, until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. So everything you do is going to turn to dust. When things turn to dust, we got to go. Okay, Lord, why is this turning to dust? And we got to look. Is Lord, this is what you want me to do? No. Oh, okay. Then it's time to cut ties. Doesn't matter how much you invest in it. Head in the right direction. And then he says, The Lord will plague you, verse 21 says, uh, I'm sorry, will make a plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you're going to possess. And the Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever, with the sword, with scorching, and with mildew. And they shall pursue you until you perish. And, you, uh, and, and your heavens which are over you over your head shall be bronze, and the earth which is under your feet shall be iron. And the Lord will change uh, you know, the rain of your land to powder and dust, and from heaven it shall come down until you are destroyed. And again, nothing they will do or participate in will succeed. Living in the land now will be terrible. And so there'll be trouble on the inside, rotten fruit, if you would. Things are going to go well within the land. It's not going to rain right. It's not going to have the good crops. This is not going to increase. There's going to be sickness and all this. And not only that, he says, if you continue not to listen, now there's going to be trouble from the outside. Verse 25 says, And the Lord 
uh, will, will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. And you shall go out one way against them and flee seven ways before them. And you shall not become, and you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. And your carcasses shall um, be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And no one uh, shall frighten them away. And the Lord will strike you with boils of, the, uh, uh, of Egypt and with tumors and with scabs, with the itch. That just sounds miserable by itself. Uh, from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart, and you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness, and you shall not prosper in your ways, and you shall be um, uh, only oppressed and, and uh, shall be only oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. Boy, when we get to the time of judges, that's exactly what happened. We'll see all that cycle go. And you shall betroth a wife, but another man shall lie with her. And you shall build a house, but it will not. You shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not gather its grapes. Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat any of it. And your donkey shall be violently taken away from you, from all, uh, from before you. And you shall not be restored. It shall not be restored to you. And your sheep will be given to your enemies, and you shall have no more, no one to rescue you. And your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all day long. And there shall be no strength in your hand. The nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor, and you shall be oppressed and crushed continually. So you shall be driven mad because of the sight uh, which your eyes see. And the Lord will strike you in the knees and on the legs with severe boils, and you cannot be healed from the sole of your foot to the top of your head. So there's going to be oppression from the outside. Nothing in the land will work out, and those other nations will oppress them, to say the least. Now, again, these are difficult passages to read, especially since we know these things will come to pass on these people in future generations. So we say, thank you for the cross of Jesus, amen? <laughs> you know, these curses, and it's not based on, you know, if I was a good guy today and a bad guy tomorrow and all this kind of stuff. I mean, aren't we thankful? to Now, salvation is still by faith, no matter what side of the cross you find yourself, uh, you know, Old Testament times. Or, but, man, aren't we thankful that we don't, you know, we, we sin, and the Lord says, you know, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to... Forgive us a sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I lost my temper. Lord, I blew that. I should have said that. Lord, I did this wrong. And, you know, I've been chasing after this. And, oh, Lord, it's just turned to dust. And, Lord, forgive me. Set me on the right path. I mean, what a blessing we have, right? I mean, uh, yeah, thank, thank the Lord the grace we live in. By the way, these verses were, were actually accurately fulfilled with Judah's last king, uh, Zedekiah. His sons were actually slain before him, and, and and then they took out his eyes. They literally cut out his eyes, and he was blinded and helpless, and he was carried off to Babylon um, captivity because he just refused to listen to the Lord. And, and again, don't think this just happened like this. I mean, God sent prophet after prophet and, you know, try to warn them and stop them and even did great signs to encourage them back. But they just, no, I'm going to do what I want to do attitude. And then all this came upon them. In verse 36, the Lord will bring you and your kingdom you have set over you as a nation which neither your fathers have known. And there you shall serve other gods wood and stone and you shall become an astonishment a proverb and a byword among all the nations where the Lord your God will drive you so again um, you know the Lord says listen you're going to be heading out there it's going to be tough it's going to be difficult and 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 uh, because see you just wanted to worship in your own way no I'm going to do this I'm going to do things my way I, I the Lord has his way but I have my way and I feel good about it my heart feels right about it and so I'm just going to do it this way and the Lord says okay you want to follow that passion you're, you're going to follow that emotion you're going to continue to go that way and do it this way listen I'll, I'll give it to you and then I'll give it to you more and you go to a land where that's all they do and really uh, you know, uh, 
you know, first they're going to voluntarily choose to do their own thing and worship their own thing and go their own way and feel that live their own lives. And then at the point, there's going to be a point where God says, okay, just go ahead and do it. And, and, and I'm letting you to do it. And But this is what's going to happen. I, it's going to cause you to move out of the land, and you're going to go to a land where that's all they worship and do. I'm not even on the menu over there. And uh, they, they got so sick of idolatry um, that, you know, really, when they came back from the Babylonian captivity, that was really never an issue for them. Again, you know, worshiping, going after. Now, they had other issues later on, obviously, in Jesus' days we know about. But, you know, God said, he gave them over to them. You want that? Fine. And then to the point where they got sick of it. And by the way, the New Testament says that. If you read Romans chapter 1, right? After a person continually rejects the Lord, and rejects the Lord, you see, the Lord says, I turn them over to this, and they, they follow this desire, and I let them follow that desire, and then they, they did this, and finally God said, he gave them up to that, and let them live that way, and their lifestyle just caused this crushing uh, destruction. And, and Romans 1 says that. He kind of gives them over to that. If that's what you really want to do, the, the, the worst, part, person in a, worst day in a person's life when the Lord allows them to do whatever they want. He says, fine, you've been wanting to do this, you want to do this, you want to do this, you want to do this, and God, fine, do it. <laughs> Boy, that, it's repeated over and over again, Old and New Testament, that's what happens. And the Lord says, listen, I, don't, I want to spare you from this. He's telling us ahead of time, he's telling them ahead of time. Well, let's keep reading a little bit more. Verse 38, You shall carry much seed out in the field, but gather little, for the locust shall consume it. And you shall plant a vineyard and tend them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes for the worms and taxes. <laughs> we'll eat it all, right? You shall have olive tree. You work so hard, and then over time, over time, and it all goes to taxes, right? You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for the olives shall drop off, and you shall... Beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. And locusts shall consume your trees and your produce of your land. And the alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above, and you shall come down lower and lower. And he shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. He shall uh, be your head, and you shall be the tail. And moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed." Because you have not obeyed the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes, which he has commanded you. And so they became poor and abused and low life. And, uh, you know, the Jews even throughout today really, you know, are, uh, um, you know, are just picked on by so many people. You know, the Muslims that hate them and all the people that hate the Jewish people. It's, you know, you can even see it to this day. And verse 46 says, You shall be a sign uh, upon you for a sign and a wonder, and on all your descendants forever, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and with gladness of heart, for the abundance of everything. Therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord your God will send to you, in hunger and thirst and nakedness and need of everything. And you will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. You know what is that old song Bob Dylan said? you got to serve somebody. It could be the devil or it could be the Lord. A person is serving somebody, either the devil or the Lord. And the Lord says, listen, what I have is a blessing. It's going to bring, what, joy, verse 47 said, abundance of heart, uh, you know, gladness of heart, I'm sorry, and abundance of everything. Or you can serve your own passions and your own desire and your own life and be enslaved by that. But it'll destroy you. And, and of course... Um, it came down to even in 70 AD that the Jews were out of the land for almost 2,000 years. Verse 49 says, And the Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as eagles, and that nation whose language you will not understand, a nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly, nor show favor to the young. And they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. They shall not pick. Uh, they shall not leave your you grain or new wine or oil, or the increase of your cattle, of your offspring, of your flocks, until they have destroyed you. They have besieged you at your gates until your high and fortified walls, which you trust, will come down throughout all your land. And they shall besiege you at your gates throughout your land, which the Lord your God has given you. 
And you shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughter, whom the Lord your God has given you, and the siege and the desperate straits in which your enemies shall distress you. The sensitive and very refined man among you will be hostile towards his brother, toward his wife of his bosom, and toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind, so that not will not give them uh, any of the flesh of his children uh, whom he will eat, because he has nothing left in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at your gates. And the tender and delicate woman among you, uh, who would not venture to set her soul of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity, will refuse to uh, to the husband of her bosom and to her son and her daughter and um, her placenta, which comes out from her between her feet and her children, whom she bore. For she shall eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege and desperate straits which the enemy shall distress you at your gates." And that certainly happened during the Babylonian uh, siege and even with the Roman siege in, in the 70 AD. It was um, the eagle might even stand for the Roman army that came in. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to a Holocaust museum. I was went to the one in Los Angeles and I've been to the one in Jerusalem and I refuse to go to another one, to be honest with you. But it was so heart-wrenching to see especially the one in Israel that you go through and you see their whole history that they have pictures and, um, you know, uh, wrote out, you know, things, describe them all, and you go through the horrific, awful things that they have gone through, particularly during World War II. And and then you read this and you go, wow. (laughs) You know, uh, horrific things even in stuff that we can look at. The Lord says, listen, I don't want you to go through. He's telling them ahead of time. He's warning them. Let's finish it up. Verse 58. If you do not carefully observe all the words of the law which are written in the book, this book, that you may fear the glorious and awesome, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you uh, and your descendants extraordinary plagues and great prolonged plagues and serious and prolonged sickness. Moreover, you will bring back All of your diseases of Egypt, which you are afraid of, and they shall cling to you. And also every sickness and every plague, which is not written in the book of the law, will the Lord your God until your enemies are until uh, bring upon you until you are destroyed. You shall be left few in number, whereas uh, you were the stars of heaven in multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing, and you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Then the Lord your God will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. Among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have any resting place, but the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Verse 66, for the life uh, your life will hang in doubt before you, and you shall fear by day and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, oh, if it's only evening, and in the evening you say, only, oh, if it's only morning, because of the fear which terrifies your heart, because of the sight which your eyes see. And the Lord will take uh, you back to Egypt in ships, and by the way which I set to you, you shall never see again. And there you shall uh, be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. And so again, they would be hoping, imagine they were hoping for night and uh, at night hoping for day, and when the night comes, they were hoping for night. I mean, how terrible. And they would be scattered throughout all the nations without a homeland until 1948. Um, but, you know, as we conclude here, guys, I... I read through this, and I can't help but to see some parallels even in our own country. Um, just as you know, you would have thought Israel would have listened to the Lord after these great things, you think the same thing would be true of us. I mean, it gets down to the point where we just have forsaken so much of the Lord that was really written into the beginning of our nation, if you ever look into the history of that. And really what happens is, you notice that it was a rotting from the inside. It wasn't some defeat from the outside, some nuclear uh, you know, missiles from North Korea and Iran or whatever, and 
you know, destroying and messing it. It was just rotten from the inside. And, and then all these things occurred because of that, but it all started in the heart. And it all starts in the hearts of people. And the Lord says, listen, that's where I want to I want to get a hold of you and grab you. Because if I let you go and, and you let me go and you just head and do your own thing, this is the path. Life turns out empty and it's just miserable and one thing after another and it's just, you know, you build up anger with people and you're mad at somebody and you carry that for the next 30 years and you won't talk to them and, man, you're bad about this and sad about this and this, you know, it's just, because I don't want to see you on this destructive path and this is where we're leaving, he's great graphic. He says, listen, I got great things for you, just follow me, come to me. I, 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 I want to do great things. But you got to make a choice. I, I don't force anybody to do anything. I give everybody a free will. And I want you to know how ugly the other side is and how graphic it is. And he tells them very graphically. And as a nation, that happened to them. We, we can tie all those things into to history. And, and so it's a, it's a good reminder for us. The Lord wants our heart, not religious duty. And he loves us and he's got a great plan. Let's cling to that plan. Amen. Father, we thank you for this time, Lord, and some, as I said, some difficult passages, but Lord, some important things that we need to be reminded of, that you love us, and you got a perfect plan for us, and we thank you that we can call upon your grace and your forgiveness, and oh, it's not conditional, you say it's, uh, you, you, you're faithful and just to forgive us, and it cleanses from all unrighteousness, you can cling to, you have a perfect plan, and you want to keep us in perfect peace, who's whose eyes and mind is, is focused on you, you tell us. So much more than that, Lord. And help us to remember, Lord, that it's the death and the destruction of what the old life was, that we might cling to that born-again new life that you've given us in Jesus Christ, Lord. And, 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 and that we would feel sorry and pray for and minister to people that are on that same kind of destructive path. They're just you know, making decisions to just walk away from you or not care about you and got their own life to live and and you're not part of it, Lord. And you know, We need to just have mercy and compassion on them because we see the destruction that it leads to. Well, we know that. We've seen it. You know, we've even seen it in our own lives. And so we cling to you tonight, Father, thanking you for your grace and mercy. And Lord, help us to always keep us close, Lord. Never let us go. Keep our hearts focused on you, Lord. For we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you guys. Thanks for hanging in there. I know it was a tough.